Welcome back to the official Leeds United podcast with me, Matthew Lewis, and, and no one else. Uh, it's, it's just me this week, and we've got a, a little show that we recorded earlier with um, with Bex and myself that hopefully you'll be able to enjoy. Uh, but before then, um, we just want to, the first thing we wanted to do here at Leeds HQ was just to say that all of our thoughts are, of course, with Stewie, Stuart Dallas, who picked up that horrific injury against Man City at the weekend. We all wish Stuart the, the best in his recovery. Uh, this is a guy who's been utterly constant for us um, over the last few years, and, and especially in, in the Premier League. Um, and and it's been a real tough blow for, for everyone at the club. Um, but if there's anyone, anyone that can come back um, fighting from this, it's, it's Stewie. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm certain that he will. And uh, that being said, this is now we think you know obviously a time for for all the lads um, to um, to fight for Dallas uh, just as hard as he's fought for the club over these years. Everyone, I you know, in my opinion, I thought uh, played very well actually at the, at the weekend, which sounds ridiculous after a four 0 defeat, I'm sure. But the truth of the matter is that you know with Coops going off in in, in the warm up, which hopefully hopefully fingers crossed will just be. Uh, uh, something of precautionary, and that he'll be back. Um, and obviously, with with Stewie's injury, um, there was a lot up against the, the, one of the best teams in the world, if not the best. Um, so I actually thought Leeds showed a, a lot of fight there, as they have done all season. Um, but right now, we need to show even more. Let's hope the lads can can look at each other and and, and draw on some some more inspiration, uh, and uh, and just say, right, let's do this for the lads who've who've worked so hard and put their bodies on the line to do it for us. You know, for for Coops and, and and Pat and 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 for now and for Stewie, uh, so come on lads, let's get some results and and get us over the finish line. That being said, we should uh, mention that the, obviously the game coming up next is is Arsenal, um, a team that we've had many years of history with, and it is in fact fifty years since the great Leeds United team of nineteen seventy two beat Arsenal one nil in the FA Cup final. Uh, and we did catch up with one man who played in that game, um, Eddie Gray, uh, to get Eddie's thoughts on that famous win. What do you remember of the goal, you know, as it unfolded on the pitch? Well, I just remember the ball being played to Mick Johnson on the right-hand side and, and Mick going down the line and whipping it in and Alan flying through the air, you know, header right in the bottom corner. We actually look at the header. As I said earlier, Tom, it was a great header. You know, it wasn't an easy chance. He could actually have waited for it and tried to volley it. A lot of players would have done. But I think Alan's seen the opportunity to dive in and meet it and take it early, you know, and probably that never gave the goalkeeper any chance then. So hearing that full-time whistle, knowing you'd done it, what was the feeling? Big relief. Yeah. To hear the whistle, obviously it is, because it's a tight game. There's only a goal in it. And you're looking at the referee and you think, is he going to put his whistle to his mouth now? Please put your whistle in your mouth. Oh, it, was, it was great. And you could see the elation of the players when the final whistle went. It meant so much. It meant so much to the club. It meant so much to the fans, the manager. And you're, not, you're on the knife edge. Because playing, you're playing against a good side and you know they can turn the game in a minute, uh, like our players. So to hear the final whistle was terrific. And to be walking up the steps to receive you know, your medal... Yeah, great moment, Tom, something you never forget. And, you know, just looking at that photograph behind me there, you know, the disappointing thing for me, Tom, is I'm sitting here and I'm looking at that. There's a lot of the boys not with us anymore, you know, but 
Great memories. Uh, incredible to hear uh, the great man discuss that that final, and um, I never really considered actually just how uh, how incredible that that header really was. I mean, he's so far out of goal there, Alan Clark, and the choice to take that header was was quite a brave one. And yet, um, <laughs> wow, the rest is history. Um, so let's hope that we can see some of that uh, this weekend um, against Arsenal and uh, and try and pick up some more points. All right, without further ado, um, then we can get on with a chat that I had with Bex. Uh, I know a lot of people are getting in touch to ask about uh, his transition into punditry and how he's taken to it like an Ormskirk-based duck to water. Um, and so we <laughs> we chatted about life behind the microphone and, and, and just how easy or, or difficult that, that transition can be. So here's that chat. Bex, it feels like barely a day goes by that your face isn't popping up on our TV screens, whether you're talking about football, advertising, nappies, or whatever else it is that you want to plug. Um, But I guess the first question to ask is, how do you make that transition from playing into the punditry side of things? It's difficult, to be honest with you, firstly. Um, You have to be open to new experiences. Um, And fortunately, I I like to think I've been relatively humble during my career as well. And I feel like that helps. You know, if you treat people with respect the first time you meet them, right the way through until the last time you meet them, they'll do the exact same with you. So, um, you know, I I reached out uh, to a few of my um, contacts once I finished playing football. TK is one of those contacts. He's he's floating around on the uh, in the backgrounds over here somewhere Um, to, you know, have a little look behind the scenes and see what what actually goes into being a pundit or a commentator or a co-commentator. And I just gave it a go, to be honest. I was open to any and everything. I tried all sorts and fortunately had a a good time and, and you know, people on the other side of the, the camera enjoyed me being there as well. And, and it kind of bizarrely snowballed from there. But it's not really an, an industry or an area that I thought... I would, I would go down because I used to avoid media. You know, whenever I heard that we finished training and the media outlets wanted to have a conversation with me about the, the next game that's creeping up or the last game that had just gone, um, how did I feel about scoring a couple of goals against so-and-so? I used to hide. I used to be the last one out of training or I'd find some way of getting out of the training ground without having to do it. So um, for me to have started off like that and to have ended up doing quite a bit is quite <laughs> it's quite bizarre genuinely you were always quite good with a sound bite though weren't you you know what, what shirt am I wearing bruv like, you know, you, you were, you were, I've got a few mate you were already you know pretty decent with it with that um did you want to stay in football at least did you know that much absolutely do you know what yeah. the, the hardest thing for me was because I had to retire through something that wasn't my fault it wasn't right. my choice so I was forced to retire because I had to have three major knee operations in four years. Um, so the decision was taken away from me whether I was going to continue playing or not. You know, the rest of my body felt fantastic. I still felt arguably almost as fit as I've ever felt as as a as a football player, as a a, a sports person. But when one part of your body mm. decides, right, that's it, enough's enough, we can't continue, then the rest of your body has no choice really. And in terms of my mind, mentally, I wasn't ready to to stop because it's it's almost like somebody just flips a switch and says, right, you're not allowed to do that anymore ever yeah. again. Now you have to do something else. Go and find something else that you're going to enjoy as much as you you uh, you have done for the last 15, 16 years. You know, and, and when you dedicate your 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 whole being to being this this 
person, this sports person, this fitness guru, this this you know football player that um, is living their dreams. It's kind mm. of it's it's so difficult, you know. Oh yeah, it's immensely frustrating. I imagine. I don't know about you listening, but I feel as though there may be an assumption that it's um, you know quite an easy transition from being player to pundit because you've played the game. But I know from the pundits that I have worked with that actually it's really competitive because you aren't the only retired player. There are right. a whole host of them out there, all vying for pretty much the same jobs, aren't there? Yeah, there are. It's it's bizarre. Genuinely, you go from a competitive um, environment of playing football, but you know that when you're on the football pitch, you've got two players that are vying for your position on on whichever position it is on the football field, defender, goalkeeper, midfielders, forwards. There's always two players vying for that position. Now, when you retire and you're in the, uh, the media world, the media industry, it's so difficult because as you, you touched on there, there are players retiring all the time and it's not always at the end of the season. It, like, it's similar to myself where, you know, there would be a, a moment where a player gets injured and they cannot continue or there's something that's gone on in their, their life where they just mentally can't cope with the, the pressures and the stresses and the strains of um, being in the limelight 24-7. So they decide to call it a day, but they don't want to get away from the football industry, the football world, because it's it's... It's magical, genuinely magical. I'm saying that from somebody that's been fortunate enough to step inside of this uh, of this bubble, you know. And it's definitely hard to to try and pull away from that. But when you've got, let's call it, 200 people every single uh, three months, four months, five months, six months that are retiring through one reason or another from a variety of different levels, a variety of different countries. And they all want to get involved in the same thing that you're doing, you know, and they've got different different thoughts, different opinions. And that's what people want. People want to see and hear people with different opinions and people that say things that are slightly risque, you know, um, Roy Keane, for example, he says things that people are like, whoa, you can't say that. But we all tune into him because we like to hear things that that aren't normally said and people don't tend to truly speak their minds on what's uh, on what's being said. Um so when you've got somebody like that that's that's quite it's quite refreshing to hear. But there's lots of people constantly there's a constant stream of people coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. And to try and stay on top of that or bring something new so to speak is is a challenge, but what I enjoy, I enjoy being myself. I enjoy being who I am. I'm not I don't try to be somebody else. I don't try to pretend that I'm this serious guy all the time or that I'm this jokey guy all the time. I've I've got my moments where I like to have a laugh and a joke and a giggle, but there are also other times, other moments where, you know, that's, it's uncalled for, it's unnecessary. It's not, you don't need to go down that route. So I feel like just by me being myself is, is one of the things that sets me apart a little bit to um, to these different production companies. And I guess it's one of the reasons they keep on calling me back. I'm interested in how it actually works. So am I, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you just said there about, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a million and one retired mm. players who are all vying for these very limited spots on television. Um, and, you know, they're always trying to get players that would fit the scenario. So, you know, if Leeds Everton, you're a great example of someone who would be first on the list there. 
But have they got like a short list of potential ex-players, pundits they know can do a good job, played for each club, and they're just going to go down a list calling them and whoever picks up the phone first is getting the gig or is it is it much more structured than that? Like how, how do you actually get booked for any given week? I hope that's the case because my surname begins with a B. Right. So I'm hoping that one of the, one of the is that first you're ones on to TV? get a call. <laughs> I would like to think so, mate. But do you know what? Uh, <laughs> As much as I, we laugh and joke about it, there's probably something that goes on similar to that, not that dissimilar to what you just mentioned there. But also, it's all about relationships outside of the production company as well. So if you're a nice, down-to-earth, friendly person who doesn't mind going for something to eat or a, a drink and having a laugh and a joke outside of actually working, I can't see how that would hurt. Right. Do, do you understand what I mean? Yeah, so, I, do, I do, yeah. I mean, like It yeah. just makes it more, makes you more pleasurable to be around. It makes... It, uh, a more relaxed environment to yeah. to come into that sort of industry. You know me. I'm I'm down for I'm down for a laugh and a joke. So I can't see how that hurts. What tends to happen is that, you know there's an attitude of it's not what you know, it's who you know, and and that is right mm. to a degree, which is relevant as well. Yeah. But what what I really interpret that as is that when you get to a certain level of whatever job it is, um, but particularly anything punditry, um, and and my job is that. You get to a certain level, everyone can sort of do a, a decent job, but it's who do you want to work with? Who do you know you enjoy working with? The company, um, yeah. And, and, and I think that that is actually a lot of times when you get to a level and you're all of a certain ability, that can matter a lot more than than a lot of other things. And and I think that that's a testament yeah. to you as your character. Not, not just to myself, but to you two as well, because you two are busy, but it's not through any... It's not because of fluke or by chance or by luck. It's because you two are nice people as well and you're easy to get on with and you're always happy. Well, I say you two are always happy. <laughs> M is always happy. I don't <laughs> go that far with Matty. <laughs> but it's because you're so you're so easy to be around, which is why you keep on getting that phone call back. And everybody knows what you you lot are like to work with and they enjoy it. That's 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 the key. That's the that's a big part of it. Do you know what, uh, Jermaine? I just want to give you credit as well for something here because what the assumption is, I think, is if you've played the game, you can talk about it and articulate yourself very well. But um, the bit that people don't see is that to do that under time pressure with people talking in your ears when you aren't necessarily used to that environment is a totally different skill and you're not given much of a chance. You have to basically learn it on the job and go with it. And I have worked with you doing that and you were really easy to work with and you offer a lot. And that in itself is a huge skill to be able to talk about, you know, the highlights of a game or picking out players who had a particularly good first half and articulate yourself in such a manner that makes the presenter's job a lot easier easier. And I get asked quite a lot, um, you know, do you meet egos? In, do you work with a lot of different egos? And I am yet to meet uh, a former player who has an ego. And I think that's because they're genuinely nice people. But also, is there an element, Jermaine, of you've spent your entire life on a football pitch and that's everything you know, then you are stepping into a totally different domain. And it's somebody else's territory that you're coming into. So really, you're learning again, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's back to square one. And it's, it's something that is foreign. It's it's not usual. It's different. It's very difficult. One thing that people don't explain to you, you, you touched on one of the, the many, many aspects of becoming a presenter or a pundit or a commentator, etc. that not nobody really talks about. It's the talk back. So you've got your, you see on television, you've got the, the presenters with the earpieces in their ears. 
And they're talking and they're giving their opinion on whatever situation may have arisen in front of them. But they've also got the producers in their ears talking about, you've got 30 seconds left to speak until we're off air. You've got 20 seconds to stop speaking before we're off air. But you've also got the sound people. You've got the lighting people. You've got so many conversations going on in your ear while you're still trying to explain a certain situation that's happened on screen. So difficult. There's not many places you could get training for that apart from actually doing it while you're live on air. And if you do that and you mess up, I think you can you can kind of tell the new presenters or pundits, etc., who are coming on air because they they for a minute they freeze halfway through a sentence and they're thinking, What what on earth's going on there? Stop talking. I'm trying to talk. <laughs> anchorman and, moment. <laughs> exactly. Anchorman moment, exactly that. But a lot of the other side of things that people don't really see is the research, the amount of research that you have to put into it as well. It's literally going back to school or going back to college or going back to university and studying all over again and trying to make sure you've you've got all your facts, all your figures, all your strategies and statistics. Everything has to be on point because now if you make one mistake on air, as soon as you come off air and you have a look on Twitter or you have a look on Instagram or whatever it may be, you are going to get absolutely peppered because everybody has the information at their fingertips in a split a split of an eye. And if you're not sharp, the producers will spot that. The editors of the show will spot that. The presenters that you're working with will spot that. And, you know, there will kind of be a little uh, universal, ooh, yeah, see, we could tell you didn't do your research. You, you can tell, you know. And I had a moment like really early on when I first started doing the the media side of things where a little bit of, I wouldn't call it arrogance, a little bit of overconfidence crept in right at the beginning, like right at the, the, the front of me starting this new journey where I just assumed I knew enough about what was going on in whichever game it was I was watching. So I was speaking about a certain situation that was that was happening during the game and I explained why one player had been left out of the squad and why I thought that would have been. And as soon as I came off air, everyone was like, bang, no, that's not the reason why. It's because blah, 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 blah. And I had the biggest slice of humble pie I had ever had. And I, I vouched to myself, I would never, ever, ever be caught in that situation again because it was so, so uncomfortable and so awkward to be in. So I guess, you know, there's, a, there's an immense pressure there on on getting things right. And and I suppose, would you say that if people are getting things repeatedly, like objectively wrong, that they're not going to be asked back? Is that kind of the premise? Yeah, I would say so. Because ultimately, there's lots of these different companies who um, have sponsors and sponsors need you to to hit a certain number of, of likes or tweets or phone calls or whatever it may be yeah. to keep the business ticking. And ultimately these massive corporations and companies are businesses, you know, they, they've got to get some kind of revenue stream in from somewhere. And, you know, there's, there's many people that do things that they don't necessarily believe in, but they say and, and do them because they know it's going to create a little bit of a, uh, a whirlwind. There was something interesting um, that you talked, you, you mentioned Roy Coon um, earlier, <laughs> saying things that were um, not controversial because it's not that's not the point. It's it's saying things on honesty, really Honest, saying things yeah. yes. as, they, as they are, um, which may may be controversial, but but just saying things as they are. Which, in many ways, so many players today are media trained 
to not really do that, to just talk in, you know, very vague niceties and, and whatever. And is that a difficult thing? I mean, I don't know how much media training you had at Leeds. I know you said you tried to avoid it as much as possible. Literally none. Diff- So you didn't have to deal with it. But I wonder Mm. for sort of more recently retired players who have to kind of unlearn that because they've spent a whole career of saying nothing with a lot of words and now they have to say it a lot with fewer words. And and, and it's difficult to try and regain that honesty, I imagine, which is probably why players like Gary Neville and Roy Keane and yourself are are so well respected as pundits. But it must be quite tricky because players that I see post-match say very little. (laughs) Yeah, do you know what? You can almost you could almost say exactly what the player's gonna say. If you watch the match, you know what the player's gonna say after the right. game's finished. You know it. You know, you're just getting it from that from that voice. You know, that voice is gonna say, We played well today, we were unfortunate in this situation, yeah. we should have been tighter at the back, we should have attacked with a little bit more prow- um prowess, or you know what's coming. You know yeah. what's coming. The hardest part is giving your opinion on a player that you know, mm. but you also know that player's had a bad game and it's just a one-off, but it's an off game. That's the hardest moment because you've got like, you've already got that friendship or relationship with that player. And it's it's like telling your mate, you're rubbish, but <laughs> you're, you're not just saying it to your mate. You're saying it in front of world. hundreds yeah. of thousands, millions of people. And you don't want to throw them under the bus because they're your mate, obviously. So it's just about finding a a good balance. Um, and somebody, as you touched on, Roy Keane there, he says things that we all think, but nobody's brave enough to say because they're worried about the repercussions on the back end of it. But obviously he's he's a one-off. He's a one-off because, you know, he, he's, he's clickbait. A lot of people love to watch him because they're like, oh, what's he going to say next? But I don't know how long, I don't know if that's got a lot of longevity to it being the way that he is because I feel like sooner or later somebody's going to turn around and say all right do you not have anything positive to say if not then we're going to kind of move you on a little bit are we ca- are you calling out Roy we, Keane yeah, on the, on the yeah. official Legion Atom podcast absolutely are you cancelling his career back <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm saying I enjoy listening to refreshing comments and 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 bits and bobs. Roy, <laughs> you and me outside. I don't want any of that. Yeah. I don't want any of that. <laughs> Bex has very quickly unlearned how to do the diplomatic media answers, hasn't he? I've got bad knees. I could have run away. <laughs> um, has anyone ever messaged you, any players, after they've heard you talking about them, good or bad? I, I don't look at Twitter. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, no, no, I'm joking. Uh, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, I've had a couple of a, a couple of my my ex-teammates who have messaged me and said, I can't believe you said that about me. (laughs) You know, half of the time it's just being said in a jovial, in a fun, silly kind of way. So it's, it's just a matter of, obviously they know I've got a job to do and I'm, I'm not going to throw our friendship under the bus, but I'm also not going to run the chance of ruining something that I'm really enjoying doing, you know? So if you don't want me to talk smack about you, do better. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, <laughs> like pretty much. Yeah. Do you watch any pundits and aspire to be like them, or did you when you started out? No, I still watch a lot of pundits. I watch a lot of football. I love football, and I, since I've started this whole media journey of mine, I've started watching all of the show rather than tuning in at five to three, seeing the teams come out onto the pitch, play the first half, half time whistle. As soon as the whistle goes off, I trot. Come back fifteen minutes later. I I sit there and watch. The hour before the game kicks off, I watch the game. I watch the fifteen-minute interval. I watch the half time, uh, the second half, and then I watch the uh, fifteen minutes, half an hour, or an hour 
post-match as well. Not so much because I'm in awe of what I'm seeing, but it's mainly because I get to see a different opinion and hear how different opinions are put to each other, uh, to, to different people. So there are, there are people obviously in studios who argue, who shout, raise their voice to get their attention, to get their words across. But you've also got other pundits who are really softly spoken, but they, they demand that respect because their opinion is so sharp, is so on point. And it's, I'm just trying to find something that works for me. I'm not trying to be like this person or that person. I like, it's similar to when I was playing. I used to watch players like Ian Wright, like Gabriel Batistuta, like Gianfranco Zola, like lots and lots of these different Mark Viduka, lots of different strikers in different clubs, in different countries. And I would try and pick out little bits of their game that I really, really enjoyed watching or watching them, um, watching them do. And I'll try to incorporate it in my game. And with this punditry, I'm picking little things from different pundits that I like to see, that I like to hear, and I'm trying to incorporate them into my voice, my my own style. And it's it's not going to be like anybody else. It's just completely unique to to me and who I am and what I what I think and what my views are. So it's it's the two run very similar. They run a line, almost in a line with uh, with each other. What's your dream job in the media? If I'm honest, I don't really know. I don't really know. You want to get back um, on that Pampers train, don't you? That's where the money is. I, I do. I, I really enjoy wearing that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the cameras weren't filming for that bit. Oh, sugar. <laughs> um, to, to be honest, I'm I'm um, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the moment. I'm just being in the moment because we touched on it before. You you look at all of the players that are retiring, you look at all of the, the retired players, everybody's on their own individual journeys. And I'm not going to stop somebody else from being on their journey. If it means that I could move on to something different and, and learn and grow in a different route, a different direction altogether. So um, I'm open to, to absolutely any and everything, but I'll never rule anything out. I think there's a lot to be said for being present and appreciating what you're doing at the minute. Matt, you did some punditry, didn't you, for uh, NBC? Is it something that you'd like to pursue a bit more? Why do you look confused? Because I didn't actually. I was. Uh, so <laughs> they, they asked me to um, for the Premier League morning thing that they did out in Los Angeles, and so I, I flew out there um, as an ambassador for Leeds. And NBC asked me if I could come on pre-match and. Um, and chat about the game. I was like, okay, what's the, I was like, well, you know, it's like a, like half hour, we could be there half an hour before the game and chat about the, the game. I was like, bloody hell, okay, half an hour. Right, so I best do some actual real, real research. <laughs> research. Not, not like I do for this, but real research. <laughs> so, and we're playing Wolves, right? And I was like, I gotta be honest with you, I don't, I don't know a huge amount about Wolves. I hadn't, I think I'd watched one of their games uh, this season at that point. Um, and I think I've still only watched two of their games. <laughs> um, and um, but anyway, so I thought, okay, I'll go away. And I, w- I watched their game from 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 the previous week, and I was looking through the players, and I was trying to figure out who they had out and who where where they were going to be dangerous against us, and who we had out, and on all this all all this stuff ready to go. And then when I got on there. It was a five-minute chat about me being from Leeds and, oh and what I thought about Bielsa, and that was it. I don't think I mentioned the name Wolves once. Did you nail it, though, Matt? Did you smash oh, those five minutes? Fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. Welcome to the world, mate. Welcome to the world of punditry and commentary, because 90% of the notes you take 
are not relevant yeah, to right. what you're going to be talking about. Right. But you can guarantee if you don't make them, then you'll end up being Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, exactly. but you yeah. are, uh, Matt, you're very intelligent and you are very articulate and you love football. So I feel like you would be very it would good. Work. Yeah. yeah. We just need to work on your look a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> um, no, well, do you know what? I went on the, the Square Ball podcast uh, last season, um, chatted to them and... Um, and we were sort of talking a little bit about imposter syndrome, you know. And um, and 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 the, and the thing is that for me, like, I I have to sort of pinch myself just doing this show full stop. And um, and I and I very much revel in the idea of being the uh, the armchair fan who gets to be you know corrected by the <laughs> professionals. That's what's what to that's, that's my role in this. And, uh, and and I just yeah, I mean, look, I I don't know enough about about football. I don't. Um, I never played to any level that would have even been sufficient to even chat about it in the pub, never mind on a podcast. Mate, so, you scored at Ellen Road, mate. You scored at Ellen <laughs> I Road. I did. I scored, yeah, I scored a penalty Come at Ellen on. Road. Yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> but um, against, I think it was against the Copcat. I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> I left um, that bit out, mate. I'm yeah, trying to make you sound good. <laughs> Still didn't save it though, did he? He was getting nowhere near it. No, um, he had his helmet on back to front. <laughs> but uh, no, I just, I, no, I don't, I don't think that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I sort of, uh, I love it. I do love it. I love coming on here and talking about it, but, um, constantly trying to figure out bloody hell like why am I here what am I, what am I actually doing what am I actually adding <laughs> to this conversation you know do you know what Bex you could maybe take Matt on work experience with you couldn't you take him along with the work experience kid and he can watch oh, it and oh, then stick know, him on mate. that <laughs> I don't know it's- <laughs> His knowledge of all things Leeds United might trump mine, so I don't think I want that floating around me. I might end up without a job. You put me in there next to Roy Keane and we'll have some yes. magic. If I go out there. Oh, my oh God. My I word. swear right. to God, I would pay good money. Messaging to the producer that. now. I would love that. <laughs> uh, boys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Jermaine, thank you so much for letting us dig into your punditry career. Matt, thank you as always. Uh, as always, any comments, hashtag LUFCPod, and we'll see you next week. Tell you. Uh, that's all from us this week. I say us, I of course mean me. Um, I haven't done many monologues about Leeds United, so I hope, hope this one wasn't uh, too utterly beguiling and, and, and confusing for everyone. Um, but thanks as always for tuning in. Um, and here's to a big performance from the lads this weekend. I know that they're going to be doing this for Stewie and they're going to be giving everything that they've got as they always have this season. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>